podcast producer Trent here, Shambles College, in session again this morning. Uh, this is definitely an episode uh, you want to check out the YouTube video of as well. Uh, the topics we covered today were English literature and jazz. Our guests were Costa Award winner A.L. Kennedy and live from New Orleans, uh, Haruka Kikuchi, award-winning trombone player. Because this is, we also discovered, uh, International Trombone Week. So Haruka giving us a jazz lesson live from the birthplace of jazz in New Orleans. So make sure you check that out on YouTube as well. Cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home is where you can go to support performers and artists and venues in the UK that are really struggling with a lack of income or any income at all uh, due to the pandemic. Uh, Robin also talks about a New Orleans fund for musicians over there that Haruka is part of. And if you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash bookshambles is where you can go and do that. Enjoy the episode. Happy National Trombone Week! It really is National Trombone Week as well. We've only just found that out. Look at Josie there. Just uh, you've got the moves. You had. <laughs> and also, I did learn the trumpet for years. Very this good. Is one of the things a lot of jazz musicians in New Orleans have learned is that the brass industry really sold them a dummy. It's needed, as you demonstrated, both the trombone and trumpet are fully realised. It's just beautiful. The sound is as beautiful. <laughs> as I say in my stand-up show, the only thing that's difficult is, that's te- difficult is telling jokes. Everything else is just a sham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still very angry about uh, trombones. No, just- I foolishly uh, introduced uh, a dear friend of mine to a trombonist, and uh, she used to be the person who gave me a lift to all of the festivals that I did. And, of course, what happens? Well, they end up going being together and she ends up having you know a baby with a trombonist and then i had to find someone else to give me lifts to the music festivals you know who you are if you're watching though they have lovely babies um so well done everyone the um uh how are you josie i'm fine actually do you know you know considering yesterday i was like i'm done with all this and nothing will ever ameliorate i went for a run and then i went to sleep and now do you know what Johnny, my partner, has been very good to me. The last few days, he, because we're still basically splitting the nights, the last few days he gave me a little lie-in till gone eight o'clock to the extent that I woke up at about half past six this morning and I knew that they weren't coming in yet. And I said to myself, listen, we're going to go back to sleep because even if it's for five minutes, we've got to really enjoy this. And I did to the extent that when they came in to wake me up at five past eight or whatever, the dream I was having was just some music. It was like, and it was just like, I'd put my brain on this really happy hold. And it was, I literally, as I was woken up, I was like, oh, you do all the instruments. This is, I mean, I've never seen Josie Philharmonic more than I've seen Josie. Oh, you listen you hold out you hold out you're going to be hearing the strings oh don't don't give them all because if you do everything now people are not going to stay for the rest of the I'm show sorry if I um, sing 
wild how are you robin i'm good i was just going to say mention our tip jar because trent always tells us off for not mentioning uh we have a tip jar uh, i hope you enjoy the shows this is shambles college basically for the next few weeks what we're going to do is we have uh lots of people who are as well as having the normal conversation we've been having but also give us some kind of educational ideas as well yesterday was fantastic david mccolman and natalie haynes talking about the classical world world and david's story about prince and then also this this mythological 2016 with bowie with prince with george michael it, it was absolutely magnificent so the tip jar is um for some of the performers that we know who are finding it very very tough because basically all work has been erased for the foreseeable future and also for some of these smaller art centers as well we're hoping we're going to get enough money last week we were able to contribute to three different art centers uh hopefully at the end of next week if we've built up enough money we'll be able to send it to some other art centers in other parts of the uk as well so if you can donate any money to us don't worry uh it all goes to uh good places not my liberal liberal media elite lifestyle i can't say that anymore but also as sad isn't it even that's been taken from you but also i do need to say if people can't don't feel that we only we only want people who can like if you can't enjoy the shows as well they're for you too we just yeah yeah, they're for everyone it's it's free admission it's only for those some of you I know the kind of audience that we've drawn over the years. Many of them have a grotesque amount of money, don't yeah. they, Josie? Many of the people who come in weigh down with and grotesque jewellery. I found out something really nice today. So I was a bit like, was a bit like, oh, oh, I really, I suddenly had this thought where I went, oh, I really hope that Keir Starmer isn't a landlord. That would really upset me. And then I googled, is Keir Starmer a landlord? And also, what was funny, what came up was, is Keir Starmer a lefty? And I was like, who's googled that? What does that even mean? And then, um. Uh, it, there was a piece, a hit piece in the Daily Mail that was like, Labour want people to be able to buy their private rented accommodation through right to buy, but their landlords gotcha. And one of them was Keir Starmer. I was like, no. And then in the detail of the article, it's like, he has one other house, which he bought for his sister's family. They do not pay him rent. And I was like, this is very good. This is good for broaching, uh, b- bridging the gap. I'm very, very in admiration of that. So it was nice to find something really nice to share with people. There is a great, um, that that thing you were just saying about Google, it's Everybody Lies is a really good book that was, uh, I forget the name of the author, uh, but he was basically using Google searches, building up uh, a different kind of almost anthropological picture of different places in the world and different things. So so the main fear, if if you look up, uh, uh, for instance, in in the US, I'm worried that my uh, husband is... Um, the first worry is not cheating. It's always search uh-huh. in, in the US, the, the fear. Um, and then in India, one of the main, uh, my husband wants me to breastfeed him, right? So it's all of these. So in different areas, you are able to bring up the kind of, and he said, because they're all private, you know, it brings up kind of a, a level of our, our secrets yeah. the hidden side of us. And I thought that was a really kind of interesting book. I That's think it's reasonably trustworthy, but it's what he lies. Yeah, it's called Everybody Lies. Uh, I know Trent just put up the name of the guy. It's gone. It's Seth. Seth. There we are. Seth Stevens Davidovitz. And it's really interesting. It's on lots of different ideas as well about what makes us who we are, what our kind of other side is, our inner self. Um, but I would I would highly recommend that book. Um, 
Anyway, oh yeah, you asked me and I'm fine. Uh, though, I, as I told you before we went on air, because I'm doing kettlebells and exercise every single day, my 51-year-old body has started to say, nah, and I have one knee that basically sounds like a precarious oak uh, in a gale. Uh, and, and you could almost see the rest of the street, all the little gardens close together, as they hear my knee bending for the first time, they think the apocalypse is upon us. Nature is reclaiming your knee. I think I'm slowly turning back into a wooden boy. You're ossifying. <laughs> That's one of my favourite ossery. Ossery. I didn't know about osseries until very, very recently. I knew, knew what an ossery was. Hang on. Uh, I know what an ossery An ossery, as far as I We'll get A.L. Kennedy on a moment because she'll correct me on this. But an ossery, as far as I know, is basically it's where the bones are collected. It's these kind of, you know, the, the, the tunnels of bones. And some, you know, there's that wonderful one in, in, in Rome, that incredible kind of uh, uh, part of uh, a, a church there where downstairs are all of these incredible rooms made out of the bones of monks. And that's that's an elaborate ossery. An ossery doesn't need to have that level of feng shui. Oh, of so the it skeleton. could just be a terrifying basement full of bones. Oh, yeah. I mean, some people, sometimes you find out a friend of yours who you thought you trusted really has an uh, overly ornate ossery in their cellar. Mm. And uh, when you see them holding the key in front of you, you realise that's the end. It's like if it's like how some people have an aviary that's very that's very big and has beautiful birds in it, and some people have crapped have, have trapped a crow in a shed. Oh, that ruined that, didn't it? No, I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter. We'll do another take. What do you mean it's live? It's ridiculous. <laughs> um anyway, welcome and uh we'll do the show and tell actually once we once once we've got uh A.L. Kennedy on. And uh so please welcome an author who wrote last year um or was it the year before we should have written it a while ago but i think it was last year that i read it it might be the year before one of the, i mean she's written loads of beautiful books novels and short stories and some non-fiction as well um but she wrote a book that was inspired by uh the little prince uh which actually as i, I finished it reading at a small cafe in swansea about to go and do a gig and i very rarely actually find myself in any way forming tears while reading books i can be tremendously moved by books but very rarely does it have that effect on me and the end of this book did uh and it is a beautiful book and it's uh all about a little snake and here is a.l kennedy hello hello, hello. that is such a one i want to start off just by mentioning that because i think i told you afterwards i can't remember if i sent you a message when or not the little prince is a very kind of like a major part of uh growing up because it was it was the the oldest book that my mum had it was like the first book to, that she had was still left like four years old and uh, and i also read a piece from it for uh, at her funeral and then i'm reading this book which is looking at you know a, a version of the snake in 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 that story and where what were your inspirations for 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 writing that book because it covers so many different things in, in philosophically and politically yeah, I, mean, I weirdly it came from somebody else um, for the fifth anniversary of the German publication of the Little Prince, and it has the same publisher that it had, you know, it's had throughout um, Karl Rauch Verlag, and an editor there who's called Hans Koch, which even Germans find funny, even though that is a legitimate German name, and he does look like John Waters. But um, <laughs> he, he said, said, you know, would you, we're, we're doing this series of books where people take uh, some kind of a character from The Little Prince in a celebration of The Little Prince and in the manner of do something. So there's the fox or the rose or the sheep or a burbab or, you know, anything. You pick anything. Um, 
And I, yeah, I picked the snake. And I think loads of things that have been on my mind for a very long time about uh, cruelty and the inevitability of death. And if you factor that in, it makes you behave differently um, and sort of humanity. And I, I've always liked reptiles. Um or went, you know, smushing into that book. But it's really interesting to do something. Well, it's, it's really interesting for me. But to do something that's a fable and it has to be really, really simple. Mm -hmm. And you, you know it will be read by a whole age range. It really kicks the bullshit out of your prose. Everything gets very short and you suddenly think, oh, God, there was a lot of filler, usually. Um, fuck. So, yeah, I don't, it was nice to do, but I didn't realise it would make people cry. And we did the first readings in German, and I looked up mid-very first public reading, and the actress reading the German bit was just weeping helplessly on stage. And I had to sort of jump on stage and hug her early and finish yeah, early because, because, because the, front the, front front of the, the audience was weeping. That um, must be very strange. Do you, do you, do you speak German? It do you speak German? Kind of. And, you, you know, you're, you're at an advantage reading something you wrote. That's actually how I've learned what German I've learned, because I've sat next to Ingo Herzger, who's my translator, who's a super cool guy. Um, and you're sort of hearing, you know, it's not where is the railway station or, you know, um, things that I don't necessarily say. It's all the things I do say. So you get this very odd little specific dictionary. Well, um, yeah, that's perfectly tailored to you and your style. Yeah, so it's really bizarre, I, which is how I taught myself French, which was, you know, I, you know, learning handcuff, straight jacket, you know, <laughs> in conversation. <laughs> of course, of course, makes sense. It, it's <laughs> interesting because I, I, I found sometimes when I read um, teenage fiction, when we, when we, especially, you know, normally it's initially because we've got a guest coming on book shambles is written novel, so I think well, I better read it. And oh. I think very often it is a mate. All of those uh, and and often very delightful uh, tangential moments in, in in books. And as you said, that kind of tangential use of words. But the teenage fiction, which just got, like Yanatella, whose books I bang on about the whole time. I don't know mm. if you've come across Yanatella. Um, she wrote a great book. I've got it. So, oh, there it is. It amazing, fantastic in my huge pile of books. There, her book, nothing. Uh, God, that's so rare for anyone who knows the stack of books that's kind of uh, around me most of the time it's very rare that one's on the top um but this is such an incredible book about values and about morality and ethic and, and it is it's meant you know it's teenagers so i imagine there's a lot of people who would never read it because well i'm grown up now mm -hmm. but it's just filled with because it doesn't have that fear of saying i better make sure i look like i'm a grown-up book so I better sometimes be, there better be a bit of obfuscation in the way that I write. It better not be too. And this is that and her book, War. If people don't know, know oh, her book, War. Yeah. So useful. It's, do, do you know the book that she did, War, uh, Alison? I've, I've heard of it, but I have not I have not read it. But I mean, it's the, it's the Feynman thing. If you can't explain whatever you think you know to a four-year-old, you don't know it. Mm. you should be able to explain it to somebody small and then the bullshit falls out and it's like oh when i stop hiding behind all of those different couches and that wardrobe i don't know this enough um i think as well about um there's that george orwell essay isn't there about how how to write i think it's how to write for oh. but it's always really like why are you saying this the why aren't you saying the simplest thing 
And why are you saying all these extra things? Get rid of the extra things. You don't need them. What are you doing? Seeing it racist, but yeah, it's like, why aren't you using good English, Anglo-Saxon? Oh, God. No, for sure, for sure. But only where you you don't realise that you read something while you were at Oxford University, which was, shall we say, a little bit um, old-fashioned sometimes. Yeah, but it is it is still useful. Well, I would still say that essay because yeah. it's something that I've I, when, when I you know the the first drafts and probably the last drafts of things that I've written. I very often I realise that I write how I talk, which is a constantly going off, never quite reaching the point. Which can work when you're doing a live performance because when you're playing it live, then you can always create the illusion that there was a point to everything you did. But when someone's reading it, no, you are not able to then use some kind of persuasive performing technique. And that's what it's interesting when you um when you went into doing stand up as well. Mm. What difference in terms of creating something that works? Because some of the short stories, I'm always interested in the idea that that many short stories are a joke. That they are, you know, that there's twenty pages that lead to a punchline, a twist. You know, the, the punchline being, you know, Roald Dahl, obviously that 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 mm. moment there where. And so, did you find that? Oh, that was a strange noise that suddenly came over. I don't know if anyone else got that. The uh, um. Did did you find that when you started writing uh, stand-up, there was a certain part going, oh, yeah, I've kind of learned some of these skills from writing short stories as well? A bit, but it's not... Um, I mean, you, you both know far more than me. It's not, you're, it's not a literary form. It's a conversational form. It's an obsessive-compulsive need to scream about something form. Um, it's not neat... It's, it's got to be a presentation of who you are. Mm -hmm. um, and if you, you know, if you fumble that between the wings and the mic, then they don't like you because they know you're hiding. And, and I mean, you know, it, as, as with everything you make for other people, you can't hide because people don't appreciate that unless you're actually talking about hiding. That's mm -hmm. um, why you're there. It's, uh, yes. But, yes. Um, it's a lot of it is very different, and certainly with 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 short stories, the thing I'm mainly interested in is character. So you won't get me; you'll get me trying to be somebody else and trying to think like somebody else and trying to have some, you know, trying to put a key moment for somebody else's life on the page. Um, I mean, it's technically, you know, there are callbacks, except when you're in literature, they get called light motifs or tropes. <laughs> <laughs> up themselves but it's a callback and you know so a lot of it is that the, the craft is the same because you're still telling a story but it's it's a completely different um kind of setting um so you you modify how you tell the story the way you would you know um the the storytelling voice on the page i think is for a stranger that you've never met who's in tranquility and by themselves and you're talking straight into their brain you're not even whispering in their ear so you don't have to yell and and being show off you have to be much more delicate even if you're being show off and comedy is you're talking to a group of people which is very different and they may or may not be off their tits and it's a mm -hmm. particular time of day or even if it's not that time of day, you're pretending it's that time of day and it's kind of, you know, it even exists at a certain temperature. It can't be too hot and it can't be too cold because just the body temperature of people doing a very physical thing, which is laughing, hopefully, is, is different to sitting reading a book when you forget your body. Mm -hmm. um, 
so there's the, there are things that are the same and things that are different. I mean, it's it's interesting because I'll get reviews now, and if I've at all been funny and the reviewer has noticed, they'll say, oh, and there's obviously the presence of stand-up, and it's like, mate, everything in that story, if I tried to do it on stage, I would, my arse would be handed to me mm. in a wet bag covered with my own blood. Mm. <laughs> Did you, because that's so, some, one of the things, do you sometimes find, because the moment that you're seen as uh, literature, the moment that you're seen as a, a literary novelist, uh, it's harder sometimes for people because I've seen you do readings and you do them. It, it, it's a fascinating thing to watch you as you explain the story. And then you almost don't notice when you've gone into the story. It's a very seamless kind of thing. And uh, and I, I sometimes look around. I think I'm pretty certain that's a good joke. And people are sat there going, she's a literary novelist. So I hardly imagine she'll be doing. Jo do you do you find there is sometimes that kind of attitude? Oh, yeah, yeah. People are, people are trying, trying so, so hard to be clever. Mm. Um, it's pretty, Oddly, I, people always have, I actually uh, sat and had dinner next to this guy going, I've, I, I've never been successful in Germany. Why am I not successful? And clearly he hated Germans, and they may well have hated <laughs> <it. He> <laughs> such contempt. It's like, mate, they will have kind of tweaked that you have no sense of humour. And, it, you know, clearly he was a man who was not funny. And at some point, somebody chairing an event had said, no, no, it is respect. People are not laughing at you out of respect. And I mean, I've been doing gigs in Germany for 30 years. They long to laugh. <laughs> they are such comedy consumers. But you'll go and do an event there, particularly it will be a long event. They're, they're, they're happy with a literary event and listening three hours. But Professor Doctor, whoever, who's, who's been at university for a million years, will do this big disquisition and you feel the room going okay this is good for us this this is nice this is the protection of culture which defends us from the collapse of law and then the collapse of democracy we kind of get it but um it's uh we go to sleep because we have had our dinner and then if you could then when you get the first laugh it's like oh no this will be all right um and it's and it prevents you from taking yourself seriously because you've got to be even when it's not a fable and you're not being super simple, it has to be, I'm a human being talking about human beings to another human being. That's important. And there's the, there has to be somewhere of purity and simplicity about here we are and we're keeping each other company. Mm. In this experience, how can I be useful and wonderful for, for you? And, and that's not about being clever. Right. If you trust being clever, it's, it's, it's not enough. Um, I mean, I always, I always remember uh, Darren Brown, lovely person. Um, he, he's written a couple of books. The first two books he wrote were for magicians, and they're, you know, they're mainly very, very much for magicians about clever things that you do with your hands. Um, but he also talks about the working of wonders, and magicians like calling themselves thaumaturges, which is a, a wonder worker. Hmm. Uh, but if, you, if you're a writer or an artist, you know, they, they nick, you just, magicians will nick your wallet and your watch and your braces and you'll look down, oh, I have your trousers. Um, and they did that with thaumaturgy because anybody who makes anything, you know, to, 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 to put more wonder in the world is a, is a thaumaturge. And reading that book, you know, he was talking about accidentally making a particularly amazing trick. You know, he just made a trick, but he'd hit an emotional vein in somebody. And for her, it was like a dead relative coming back and it shook her world. 
in a lovely way, but because he's a smart guy, he was thinking, oh, no, that's what I should be doing because what's this bullshit about? What card are you thinking of? Nobody really cares. Nobody involved in that at any level cares about thinking about cards. The wonder is bringing the dead back to life or, or, or making you have an emotional moment where your world just moves a bit. And I'm sitting there thinking, shit, I have never thought about trying to do that in, in writing a story. And why not? You know, why isn't that... Um, the ambition. I mean, you probably always fail, but that should be the ambition. And that's, yeah, it's not clever and it's not about being able to say that it's a transferred epithet or a sympathetic fallacy. You don't need to know that. People who tell stories use those things. They have $5 words describing them because people have to sit and write essays in English literature classes. But that's not about writing literature. That's about writing about literature, which I will never have to do. <laughs> That's uh, the book that I was reading this morning, was, which you probably read, Six Memos for the Next Millennium, by oh. Kirby, uh, which is a really, I've only, I've only read the first lecture, which is, you know, sadly, they were never, uh, he never actually presented them because he, he died, uh, I think, of an aneurysm uh, before. And so, so there's a, a mystery sixth lecture, I think, that, that with his, his wife. Uh, but just it, the first essay is all about lightness. And it was just fascinating. So, you know, I don't spend enough time thinking about those kind of ideas, ideas of literature, and that the, the way that he talks using De Cameron and various other ideas of of a lightness of touch, of of of, of a, a way of creating. So that it, he he uses Lucretius on the nature of the universe, the fact that you know we're all made of these tiny little atoms, these you know everything that every everything that floats that somehow still becomes solid. You know, this kind of idea. It's really beautiful. It's fantastic. I would highly recommend if you're not uh, there, if you're looking for a, a good book to 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 read and just kind of pick up. There's five lectures in there. They're wonderful. Um, we better go to our first celebration of National Trombone Week. And uh, so many people were doubters. They thought we'd forget it was National Trombone Week. Of course we wouldn't. Um, this is uh, from New Orleans. Uh, I will give you. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll watch this first, and then I will tell you a few things about Haruka, who uh, is uh, just uh, as I said, award-winning, uh, an incredible player. And this is. Uh, and we'll, we'll, later on, we'll compare and contrast Jose's technique without the trombone and Haruka's with uh, the trombone. Um, so here from New Orleans is Haruka. Hi, everybody. This is Haruka Kikuchi. I'm a trombone player. And this is Zitu Yoshitaka Tsuji. He's my husband, also plays jazz on piano. I'm so happy today we share the music from our front yard in New Orleans, Louisiana, where the bus bridge of jazz. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. 
Yeah. Welcome back. Uh, that was Haruka Kikuchi, who uh, plays with uh, Kermit Ruffin's band, uh, amongst other things, award-winning trombonist. And we're just quickly going to mention also the fact that uh, New Orleans has been one of the hardest-hit places uh, with coronavirus. And this is a very, you know, it is a, 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 an interesting and uh, and and bleak story that we're seeing play out in the in the US and the UK uh, in terms of those who are more likely to be affected. And uh, so, of course, New Orleans again has been very hard hit for all the musicians there. If you've ever been there if you've ever seen films from there it's an incredible place in terms of the amount of creativity there and there is a fund that's been set up uh it's uh, i've got it here it's uh nola musicians uh fund so uh the the new orleans uh, musician fund nola musicians fund and that is to help some of the musicians out there in uh, in new orleans who've been particularly hard hit so um we're gonna have uh, another piece from her at the end of the show um Shall I ask the, the do you want to ask the question that's come in, Josie? We've got we've got a couple of questions that have come in. Uh, uh, I would love to, but I haven't got a copy of them. Oh well, that's all right. Oh no, literally, I've just it's just been sent to me now. Uh, it, no, no, nothing arrived for one. This is uh, what we want to know was: uh, Are there any other fictional books that you would like to take a piece of and turn into something else? So, uh, someone for little sake, and that is uh, haven't got a name for that question, but thank you for it. Uh, to me yes um not really uh i mean i probably there there are some things that i'd like to turn into movies but the likelihood of ever making british movies again after uh covid i think is nil um and no deal quote unquote australian star brexit yay fighting in the street um six feet apart be difficult but people will get poles that are seven feet long um and just poke uh hell out of each other that way um not really i just kind of love things to be the sort of the things that they are when i was a kid i was obsessed with the world of dracula because that book you you remember it as a sort of seamless novel and it's not it's kind of a bag of documents it's like a whole load of scientific research into this peculiar thing they found which is interesting in itself and i kind of love that gothic world so i i kind of spent probably a couple of years handwriting this journey from the ride in the mystery coach through the landscape that you've never seen to the castle you can't get out of um but I think that was really to do with my parents' marriage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and do, then they got divorced and I stopped. <laughs> do, do you ever do you ever get do you find it disturbing occasionally where you might return to something you wrote 20, 30 years ago and you go, Oh, that's what it was about. Because I think the I've, I've spoken to quite a few authors where that realization it that no, no no I'm just writing a story it's nothing to do with my life and it can seem very detached and then they may well return to it and go oh I can see what was bothering me now I can see where, where what my uh, neuroticism was in 1992. Uh, oh I think that that's always sort of been I'm not really concerned about very many things it's always little people getting shat on um, people with no power getting beaten up by people with way too much. Um, violence against women uh, and the re removal of body hair and small animals or insects. That's that's really kind of all I ever am talking yeah. about. <laughs> and violence in general. And it's like, oh, how am I going to play the four-keyed harpsichord of my subconscious this time? If only yeah. I had another key. 
If only I, I wanted to talk about Renaissance yeah. Underwood. Yeah, but one day, I mean, like, you know, you know, you came came upon writing an entire book about bullfighting, for example. You will come upon the the the, the key just by chance. Do you know what I mean? It will be. Oh yeah, that's welcome to my life. You're constantly wandering around, going, "Come on, come on, ideas, come on." You play with the other ideas so I get a plot, please. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I've just got the opening of one of your bookers. Turk Bradman was a hirsute entomologist. As he walked in, so, so that's, if you want to have Turk Bradman as one of your, your lead characters, a hirsute oh. uh, entomologist, I believe you can explore a lot of the issues there. Danger I in the beetle jar. <sighs> Danger in the beetle jar, yes. That is even better than your trombone playing, I reckon. <laughs> You are the Renaissance. <laughs> Do you have? Uh, I mentioned uh, very late on. I mentioned a show and tell. Do you have a show and tell for us uh, this morning? I do, uh, and you literally want me to show you my show and tell. It's possible, yeah. I should say, by the way, everyone, that uh, Alison put an enormous amount of effort into this morning for the fact that her laptop just won't work. So the reason that it's a bit wobblier than normal is just because she managed. She's having to do the whole thing with her phone, holding her phone for ages. This counts as your hour a day workout. It's true. Although I am trying to pass the United States Marine Corps physical fitness test by the end of lockdown. Huh. Um, what do you have to do? What are they... um, there's a mile and a half run. This is just the entrance qualifications. I'm, it's sad that I know. Um, the, the running is, is tricky, but there are trunk curls and, and push-ups. And I'm, I've, nailed, I've nailed the sort of crunches. I can do the abdominal crunches. I'm okay. I'm not a great qualification, but I need to get better at press-ups. Um, but, yes, meanwhile, <laughs> so, so the arm's all right, but I will turn you around in a disorder. Oh, I'm so disappointed. I thought your show and tell was going to be a full half hour of you doing the U.S. Doing the US Marines. Yeah. Joe whips immediately going, who is that woman? She's getting it on my territory. A.L. Kennedy's workout videos. This is what we've been waiting for. So <laughs> entomologically accurate. But I've done. I've gone back to the way I used to be at primary school, where I never looked as if I could do gym. It taught me sort of circuit training things to do to be fit. So I always looked unlikely. But then when we were doing trunk curls and sitting against the wall and and all of that sort of super endurance, I don't really care about physical pain stuff, which is not really about fitness in a way. It's just about pain. I I would be good at it, and they hated it. So I've just gone back to that. I'm um, just working out my resentments of gym stuff. Anywho, I will show you. Um, here we go. This, if you can see, um, is uh, is a very beautifully made wooden, very long. Well, not very long. It's it's correctly long. It's it's a Greenland paddle for a kayak because obviously a kayak. Um, was made by sort of Inuit people, but you don't now use the paddle that they used. You, you have these different metal plastic paddles, um, but the, the 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 original paddle is is um, the sort of thing I just showed you, um, which I might be able to show you. It's quite long and thin. I don't know why I chose a long and thin thing. Um, but they're very quiet because it, you know, it was a hunting thing. So you can go very quietly um, and sort of smoothly and and for, for a long time kayaking. I say that 
obviously at the moment we're not allowed to kayak in case we fall in which we're all finding quite insulting but if we fell in and had to get rescued we would breathe on our rescuers in a gasping and wet way so we're not allowed to kayak and we have to walk next to them. I've seen people people in the River Lee. I know and there's there's a bit of Arjibar guy who's the harbour master at the top of the estuary which is in the sea and I could understand the sea's a bit more unpredictable when you get up to our height of the estuary it's about four miles inland you'd have to be so shit to, to <laughs> be able to but um and I've seen people sneaking out but um I, I now know that I've been told that I shouldn't, so I feel yeah, guilty. I understand. I, yeah, it's, once once it's been officially said, you just have to go, oh, okay, it's been officially yeah. said. Harbour. Actually, put the police chased people who left from, from the sort of harbour at the sea end of the river. Um, <laughs> On police kayaks? Yeah. Did, no, I have no idea. <laughs> police pedalos. Okay. <laughs> So this is the, the, the Leon C remake of Deliverance, then. <laughs> also, I think we might have shown... Sorry? Give me some more mine, that's all. Sorry, Alison, you're about to say something. Uh, no, no. Um, so, yeah, that's that's. I've, I've been dying back on the, on the river because it's lovely, but the less noise you make, the less people the less animals notice you. So you're more likely to scare fish and fish will jump out of the river ahead of you thinking you're some huge thing, which is alarming if you've ever been whale watching because if there are killer whales, the fish do the same thing. And it's like, I hope they're scared of me and there isn't a killer whale <laughs> in the three feet of water underneath me. <sighs> <laughs> Sneakily flattening itself out. Also, you've you've shown that you're armed and ready because I've noticed, you know, 15 minutes ago, you said in the future, all battles, all will, be battles will be fought on the street with six foot poles. You have shown you have a six foot pole. So I think you're kind of, it's your high noon moment as far as I can see. Um, I know that uh, a lot of people have been saying that they're finding it very difficult to create at the moment. And uh, how have you found that the the, the situation? Yeah, it's it's tricky to keep your concentration because there's so many other things to worry about and so many people who might um, die. And you, you can use anything to be creative of, but I think the levels of fury that I'm experiencing are almost breathtaking. Just that extraordinary, why the fuck are you not stopping people dying? What does it take? Why, why didn't they? It when there was time. Why didn't they when there was time? There was time. And why have we not set fire to you, fuckers? Um, yeah, it's it's just you can only think about it a little bit. And obviously, you know, I only do social media on Twitter, but there are some nights when you're just scrolling through Twitter, and it's only. You know, please pray for my father. Please pray for my son. My mother died today. My sister died today. My wife died today. My husband died today. It's just this unspooling of things that are all tragic and they're multiplied by 100 and multiplied by 1,000. That's very hard to think, oh, I'm going to type now. Um, you really have to sit down and think, well, what was ever the purpose of what I did? Is it just me wanking onto a page? I mean, hopefully it's not, because that doesn't really work. That's never going to be mm. readable. Watching somebody masturbate is, is a very specific hobby, and it's usually to do with somebody you like, 
and and it's not really a public consumption for strangers thing uh, for many good also, reasons. Just really creates the kind of Rorschach test, doesn't it? If that's the technique that you're using, it's a very strange way of doing potato printing. Yeah, yeah, it's a big splurge. Um, so, yeah, the the lack of concentration is tricky because you just have to be able to concentrate, and that's hard because it's difficult to hold on to something that's usually the obsession. But the obsession is like, for fuck's sake, people are fucking dying. Um, but I did have to have a conversation with myself about why am I doing this I'm doing this to give people company why am I doing this I'm doing this because art is the cushion before the law collapses when the law collapses you have no government and you're screwed art has to not fail because slowly and and, and art is the thing that's supposed to have the I don't know why I'm saying this to Josie because you know this and you fund you know you 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 you, you set up um arts emergency. here because it's like yes I agree I agree <laughs> I agree yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, but there was a process of, OK, I'm freaking out. But I, I started writing the, the latest novel in America in October, November, in this place that I go to in the woods, like you're supposed to when you're a novelist. Um, and again, with all of the Trump stuff just going on, you're thinking, why the, why the hell am I doing this? And I was keeping I'm keeping uh, an audio diary of it and literally saying, OK, in the face of all this shit, this gitry, why am I doing this thing? And, I, and I'd already had the conversation a bit of, what, what's this for? And then thinking, well, you know, how many times has reading Douglas Adams got me through all kinds of sort of health difficulties when I was a teenager, just thinking of the infinite, you know, um, the, inf the, the vortex um, and walking into, you know, but um, books and storytelling and stories we've clearly clung to that to get us through and give us meaning uh for so long and and they sort of lodge in your soul and there's a little bit of a light and you plod on um it's it's not worthless and and beginning to think that human creativity is is worthless is 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 one of the edges of thinking that humans are worthless yeah so yeah. it's not shit what you're doing but i think lots of people are thinking oh fuck you know i could i could be doing anything i could i could be giving groceries to old people why am i doing this and a you could probably do groceries and old people too or whatever um but it's it's not nothing they they, they don't lock up writers when they want things to go to shit for no reason it's not a coincidence that you always lock those people up because it's 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 quite often you're talking for ordinary people instead of the media and instead of the government and the people who have the loud voices. And, and you're very often saying, this is what it's like for somebody who isn't you. So look, they might be as interesting as you or as important as you, or they might have something to offer. So could you maybe erase to not fucking kill them because they don't have masks. Yeah, a friend of mine is literally, she's gone back into nursing and we're all going, really, right now? No, 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 I was always going to. And then she's going into a cancer hospital and you're thinking, well, they won't put COVID patients in a cancer hospital because that will just kill everybody. And she comes back after her first day. A, there are fucking COVID patients in the cancer hospital. And B, some of them are suspected COVID patients, so they don't have to wear PPE for so What the fuck? God. My friend is going to get very ill and maybe die because she's quite old. That's why she left nursing. 
you're listening to somebody and you can't even say what she obviously knows too because she's a fucking nurse, that the policy is about not having equipment and suddenly making the protocol that everybody dies. What the fuck? It's the logic of Belson. It's not we're going to put you in an oven. It's just we're not going to feed you or give you water or look after you or give you shelter. So, you know, if you die, it's not really our fault. Well, also the kind of people who, you know, have devoted their life to nursing, nursing, I like... I feel like I'm doing a dereliction of duty not being able to help people in hospitals. They're going to feel that a hundred times more. They're going to feel if they don't do that, that they'll always regret it and always feel bad about it. And so, of course, people are going to be trying to join in and trying to help as much as they can. And it's just heartbreaking to think that they're not being looked after. But I mean, there are certainly, um, you know, there, there are lots of little tiny ch- charities, if you've got any money at all, that are buying PPE, that are sourcing PPE. Um, and what, one of the joys of my life at the moment is looking out for, for medical people saying, you know, we don't, we don't have PPE and hooking them up with charities and saying, you know, do you have anything? Or, or you know, a friend of my mum's was on the phone weeping for day after day because her daughter is a headmistress and we've screwed our communities and support so much that although the schools are shut, she has to go in not just Monday to Friday, but Monday to Sunday to feed the people who don't get a hot meal if they don't come to school and get a school meal. And they're, and they're very vulnerable in, in multiple ways. She has no PPE. And if they don't turn up, she has to do house visits to see if they're okay. We have no PPE. And, you know, but fortunately, one of, you know, I said to one of these guys, do you just have any, you know, do you have any kind of set for this person? It's not medical. And just, you know, there are these moments of extraordinary purity and beauty. And the guy just came back within two minutes saying she's feeding starving kids. Of course she gets PPE. You know, saying what the government should be saying, saying what the government should have anticipated and not had to say. But also they don't want to have to own up to how much people are suffering. Yeah, I mean, there's the underlying level of of people just being a fag paper away from dying anyway. Um, Yeah, nothing has underlined, uh, not that we didn't know already, the the level, how many of our uh, parts of the media are basically just, you know, propaganda sheets for, you know, the Telegraph has done some incredible imaginative work uh in terms of and and i mentioned this to josie a while ago i talked about my last stand-up show at 88 years old my dad stopped reading the telegraph and moved to the guardian and uh and every now and again when i ring him i say dad you made a right decision he was 90 last weekend and every single morning he reads it it gives him a different perspective uh it gives him you know this whole and, and it is it is remarkable how if you want to believe a story yeah, with some of the stuff that is being put out there now, let's not criticise. Now isn't the time to criticise. You know, this whole idea of going, no, this is the time. This is the time to bring yeah. people to power. To, this this is the as, time to... It's not as if criticism is done for its own sake. It's not as if people are going, allow me to just criticise. The, 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 the reason, reason people would be criticised would be to try and alter the way things are being done. Like, it's, it's so ridiculous to think that people... Well, it's the same with this kind of... Labour being told not to oppose for opposition's sake. It's nonsense. It, it, Nobody is doing stuff as oppose. You know, people were trying to oppose because, oh God, oppose and oppose was a bad choice of, of, um, of chat then. 
because <laughs> but nobody is doing this to strike a pose yeah oh. but it's it's like in the middle of the if you look at how many people are dying and being hurt in london this is a sort of night of the blitz and it's like somebody saying well now is not the time to criticize the Luftwaffe. fuck off <laughs> But it is, it's an interesting, I, I think one of the, the difficulties of what's going on is that for because most of us are isolated at the moment, you don't see anything of the world. So therefore, you, 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 so whatever you're fed and however you've chosen the different things that provide you with information, uh, that's your world because you're only seeing as far as your bins or as far as, you know, the, the, the furthest you can do or the furthest jog that that's it and then as you said actually having communication with people who are working in the health service and with i, I know the same as you there's a, a one of my my family is a, is a nurse she has, has left what she was doing to go and work specifically you know in, in uh icus and again the the worry five or six weeks ago when she was like right well i need to do this and oh. some of her friends who'd left nursing again like your friend went right well, i'm going to go back into nursing now and we have to remember all of these things. We not only have to keep reporting any of our, our, our friends who have direct response, who really know what's going on. Um, we also have to make sure that that memory doesn't die the moment that this, you know, situation is no longer the threat it is. And these people, I mean, this again is why that you write as well as you possibly can, because if you make characters somebody can enter into, it is, it is a tiny bit every time you make somebody empathise with someone who isn't them you're training them to care when somebody they've never met dies or to think really, you know, when that, cause the, cause the narratives of these people, they're loud and repetitive, but they're shit. I mean, you know, Philip Pullman and uh, some other writers a while ago just said, you know, speaking as people who make up things that aren't true, you're shit at this. <laughs> you know, somebody comes in and says, uh, lots of people are dying. No, they aren't. I mean, it's just they, they have no narrative. It's just that it's so loud. They and it's don't so value narrative enough. Ah, you know, so if you actually are making prose that works and says stuff and doesn't contradict, you know, the, the end of the sentence doesn't contradict the beginning of the sentence. Um, you, you, That's because they all write shit novels as a hobby, don't they? Oh, God, I bought secondhand, of course. I bought Boris's novel. Oh, God. Well, you have yourself to blame. <laughs> no. Just to look, because, you know, I, I work with students and I can work with, you know, I can kind of, there's a, there's a, you can do a sort of diagnosis. Oh, man, there is nothing in there. There is no effort. This is literally a man who is intending to write a novel and he can't be bothered while he's doing it there are whole sentences that do not make the effort to mean anything that's his whole life he's like yes i'll be prime minister and i'll have a novel and i'll do this it's like it's like nothing is meaningful well i'll tell you what i will send you a copy of rich Helena Handcart, so that I'm sure, <laughs> oh, sure that novel will cheer you up. We've we've reached the end of our uh, our show for today. Um, thank you so much for 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 joining us. And uh, I was going to we we um, your your book on writing, which is a collection of of, of pieces that you written before, is is for anyone else who, who wants to go further in terms of not merely reading uh, the 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 fiction, but also about uh, understanding some of the kind of methods of writing and creating stories and empathy and those ideas on writing. Is I can't remember who published that actually. It's. Uh, Johnson Johnson Cape, and then it would be vintage now. 
Right. So, yes, On Writing is a very uh, useful and interesting book. Um, just, just, just before you finish, if you are on Twitter um, or if you go on Facebook, um, that there is a charity called We Got You, We Got You UK. And if you've got any money at all, they are getting PPE to, to people. Um, just off the top of my head, that's, that's one of these guys um, that's doing stuff. Also, Adam Kay, former Dr. Adam Kay, of course, still has many friends who are doctors and nurses. He's been great on his his timeline as well to, to yeah. check out various different. Uh, and again, the, the moment that I retweeted one of those, someone said, oh, hang on a minute, this doesn't quite ring true. And then you immediately, if you are a natural skeptic anyway, you do kind of go, well, hang on a minute, I better examine this. So you then spend an hour a day and you get in contact with lots of people and you go, oh, no, that's OK. I can still stand by this. This is the problem. That's why it is the cocksure refine. Because, but but for those who go, hang on a minute, we need to get all the evidence together. That also slows things down. So it's it's such a problem, isn't it? That well, yeah. it's hard not to be provoked by things. It's hard not to be like, oh my gosh, especially under these circumstances. And so then you leap to things, then you're like, oh no, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, thank you very much for joining and, uh, us. We look forward to the release of your new book. Don't worry, everything's fine. Yeah, yeah really I thought. Excited. Hang on, what was it called again? I thought you told us. It's something about a beetle jar and a long stick. Well, that's like my current book of short stories that came out two yeah, weeks, no. I think, or two years ago. I have no perception of time anymore. Is literally called "We Are Attempting to Survive Our Time," which uh, I wish was not as appropriate. And we wish was a we wish was a manual rather than a collection of stories now. But I suppose in many ways it will be that as well. Thank you very much, everyone, for uh, watching. Uh, I won't mention the tip jar again because you've also been given some leads to lots of other charities, which I think, as we mentioned before, the New Orleans uh, um, Musicians Fund oh, as well. Nola, I there. As, as, yep. If Jacob Reese Mogg is watching, could, could you, you please put ten million pounds into the tip jar because you won't notice it going. You won't notice it going. Uh, see you jacob um oh now you've ruined allison's day you've, 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 see, uh, you've mentioned the unsafe word um so thanks very much everyone for watching we're going to leave you with uh haruka kikuchi as i mentioned again national trombone week uh talking about new orleans musicians as well just uh, a really uh remarkable jazz musician who plays with the kermit ruffins band uh find out more about her work find out more about um allison's work as well if you've not read the little snake read the little snake as well it's wonderful josie i'll see you we've got brian oh are you hang on a minute i'm not I, i'm not sure if you're with us tomorrow or not because i know there's a couple of days that you're, you're not with us mm -hmm. but i will find out later on okay. i'll see you tomorrow or i'll see you on friday uh i'm definitely back tomorrow and uh and all the the line of science day tomorrow so if you've got any questions about science then uh you just um send them to us stay at home at cosmic shambles.com any questions about the universe uh i won't attempt to answer them but i'll bring a, there'll be some other people who'll help bye yeah. here's a
Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home to catch up on all the previous episodes, find out who's coming up on upcoming episodes and to leave a tip for acts and artists and venues who are hit hardest at the moment. And if you'd like to support us at the Cosmic Shambles Network, patreon.com slash bookshambles. Oh.